afternoon. How's everybody doing? All right. I want to say, uh, uh, I learned this from Pastor John. Actually, this is our, our, our worship pastor for our church. His name is John Newfeld. Uh, he's from Ontario, no, not Ontario, uh, Winnipeg, Canada. Uh, he's uh, married to a, a beautiful uh, lady. She's also a pastor at our church. Her name is Anita. Uh, they got married like two weeks after us. Me and Mina, my wife, we got married on December 17th, right? <laughs> Just kidding. And then like two weeks later, they got married. And so, you know, uh, we're all kind of newlyweds. And uh, he's actually had to leave uh, his wife for a day, for a night, to come here and join us in worship. He's going to be doing this for the next, I think, six weeks, for around two months. Come out here every, every Sunday to lead worship for us. Uh, and he's going to really break that ground, um, break that ground with worship and that anointing as it flows. And it's going to flow on to you guys, and, you know, you guys are all going to catch it. But let's, uh, let's just uh, give a hand up for uh, our brother, John, Pastor John Newfeld. Yeah. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, how's it, you know, it's such a beautiful day. You know, I was, I was driving over here today, looked out the window, and, and you know, right outside our window, we live um, in this, and our, our apartment's kind of old. You know, I think it was built like in the 80s. It's a Hyundai apartment in Minlak, you know, but, you know, it's not the best apartment per se, but outside our window, we live on the second floor, and we just see these amazing cherry blossoms, like right outside our window. And I was like, man, I looked out today, and I said, it's a glorious day. And then as we're driving, every way we look, there's like cherry blossoms everywhere. And it's just like, whoa! Like, it just felt so, it feels so great just coming here today, you know? And I was really, really blessed uh, just by the weather and how God is such a, he's such a good God. And he knew that we would be here worshiping him today on this Easter Sunday. Um, I learned this from John. When I say he has risen, everybody says, he has risen indeed, okay? So I say one, two, three. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen, amen. Uh, there are two days out in the year that are very uh, important to Christians. You know, it's Christmas and Easter. You know, you know we all know the. You know, it's because of Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Um, I may sound funny, but if you ask the average child that comes from a Christian home, and you ask him, you know, why is Christmas and Easter important? They're going to tell you Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. You know, and in the world through media and advertisement and commercialism, uh, these two days. Are, are they, they're no longer recognizable as sacred days for our, for our, us believers. Now it's all about presents and decorations and chocolates. Um, it's no longer regarded as the holiest days for the life of a believer. Um, and I used to work for this preschool. He's, he's actually the preschool that's attached to our mother church, Cherry Songdo. And the 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 Wonjangnim or the the director of our of our preschool is the main pastor's wife, you know, and she's named, her name is Huang Samunim. She's gangster, you know, and she's, she's always out there doing crazy ministries, traveling the world, going to this country, this day. She's never at the preschool, never. And they'll call, you know, can we speak to your director? Oh, she's in Thailand right now. She's going all around the world. And uh, she's a, you know, she's such an amazing woman of God. She's such an amazing woman of God. Um, and when, you know, I worked there for two years as a preschool teacher and she hates Santa Claus. And she hates the Easter Bunny, and when and like around November time comes around, and she sees Santa Claus or the or the name Santa men- mentioned in any of our preschool classes, she kind of goes crazy. And I remember, and I, I knew this, right? So I never said Santa Claus because you know, because she's, she's you know she really wants to keep this day sacred and holy 
for for the for for these children. You know, they, he, she wants to teach them that it's not about presents; it's all about all about Jesus. And so I remember we got this new teacher, and she got a little, you know, a little excited about Christmas and put this huge poster of Santa Claus up in her classroom and started teaching the kids Santa Claus songs. And I remember the Korean teacher walked by and said, oh, "No, no!" And she ran up to me and was like, "Tell her to stop! Tell her to stop!" No, and she's she's so gangster. She is so committed to keeping the her, the children that come out of this preschool to make sure that they know that Christmas is all about Jesus and Easter is all about Jesus and His resurrection. Amen. Amen. So today is a holy day, and uh, and it's also you know it's my first Easter Sunday to speak, and I got a little nervous you know getting ready for the sermon today, and I got a little freaked out. I was like, oh, what am I going to speak on? Lord, help me. No, but I truly believe that God has a very powerful word for you today. It's not from me, you know. It's not from me, it's from the Lord. And so I want to start out with a word of prayer. If you guys know, bow your head with me, heads with me. Father God, we thank you for this glorious day and, and the, 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 the news of your resurrection and the power of your resurrection. And we just, we declare that today is a day that we celebrate our eternal life with you, God. And it starts from your resurrection, God. Where the tomb was empty, Lord. Your tomb was empty, God. And that is the joy and, 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 the, and, the, and the victory that we have in you. Lord, we thank you for this day. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was at a bar. And some of you guys are saying, what? This pastor is at a bar. I was drinking a beer, too. You know, it's true. And, uh, you know, when we first came to Busan three months ago to start this church, we didn't know any foreigners. You know, like we, you know, we're... We're an English ministry, and, you know, we're here to, to reach out to the English-speaking people here in this country. I know there's a lot of there's some uh, Korean natives here. You guys are more than welcome to be here, and we bless you for coming. But I'm not going to speak in Korean up here because I can't, you know? <laughs> and, you know? And so, you know, this is an English ministry, and we're here to reach out to English-speaking people. And we came here, and, we, and we, we actually went out on our outreach. Outreach is when we go out and we try to connect with the community, we try to connect with people out there and just say, what's up, you know, how you doing? We went out to the beaches one night. It was a dead of winter. And no one out in the beaches. <laughs> we're like, what's going on? We thought, you know, there's a lot of foreigners out here. We didn't see, we didn't meet, I think we met one person. And later on, we found out that all the foreigners are in the bars. You know, they're, they're getting their drink on. And so we actually went out to the bars, you know. We actually went out to the bars and, and got together and just really reached out to um, just the English-speaking foreigners here in Busan. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. We met a lot of people. There's a lot of people here that are from those outreaches, you know, like, like Dan right here. You know? We went out, met him. It was amazing. And uh, last week I went to a bar, and I sat down, and I, got, I met this guy. I don't want to say his name because you guys actually might know who he is. Let's just say his name is Brian, okay? And uh, Brian and I got to talking about this and that. And, uh, and I wasn't there to evangelize to them. I wasn't there to, like, say, like, oh, repent and believe in Jesus Christ, you know? Like, that's not, that wasn't my main focus. Uh, my focus was to just basically reach out and talk with him and see what he was about. And uh, we got to talking about this and that. And, um, and, uh, and uh, we got to talk about soccer you know, and, and about England. He's from England. And we, and we started talking about uh, how you know, England and Irish, the England and Ireland soccer associations are completely different. You know, and they, they like, like, oh, that's not, that, this, that's not the soccer association. This is the soccer association. And there's this like, big rivalry. Between them, and they really like they never kind of mix, you know, and and I, and I found out that it's because uh, the religious differences. Ireland, you know, when when Martin Luther came with the Reformation, uh, and he nailed those, you know, uh, the the statement of beliefs up on that wall, and it changed Christendom forever, you know. And when Protestants and Catholics, 
uh, England became a Protestant country. You know, the king declared that, declared, king of England declared England a Protestant country. The only people that really kind of wanted to remain Catholic were the Irish, the Ireland. And so up till now, there's still this, this clash between the, and I think Rosie can testify, there's still this clash in England, uh, and it's a, it's a religious clash. You know, it's that, that's where it kind of stemmed from. And then we kind of got to talking about Catholicism and about Christian, about being Protestant. And I asked him, you know, like, so, you know, do you have any kind of a spiritual beliefs in your life? And he said, oh, no, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And I was like, all right. You know, like, like he was kind of defensive. You know? And then, so I kind of told him that, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. and I'm here in Busan. You know, we're going to start an English ministry. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't believe in God. You know, I, I'm an atheist. And I was like, all right. But uh, <laughs> earlier on in that day, you know, I remember like, you know, like I just, I clicked on a Facebook link. And there was this little Facebook video about these, these ants that get like you know these these parasites land on these ants and they actually transform them into zombies to do like weird things and actually sacrifice themselves for the sake of the parasite and it's fascinated me and i was like man that's crazy so i started like doing all this research on 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 youtube and for four hours i sat there and just watched nature documentaries for like you know, like when you get on YouTube, you see all those like like suggested links, and I just clicked on every single one. It's the mating ritual of the salamander, click. You know, like like anglerfish with like little lights on their forehead, click. You know, like I just started looking at all these things, and you know, I got so sucked in by nature and just how amazing that like even the smallest organism, how amazing it actually is. And so you know. And I, and that was that day. It was that earlier in that day, and then that night I met um, Brian, and I you know and I was trying to talk with him. I was like, let him know that how in this world that we live in, with all these amazing wonders and just creation, it has to be a higher power that created it. You know, you know how how unlikely it is for us as human beings with smartphones and the internet, you know, to have evolved from monkeys and fish. And little organism, how unlikely that is. And, you know, and, and he looked at me and said, I can prove evolution, you know? you know. With facts and evidence found through science, to some degree, he's telling me that I can prove evolution. But can you, can you prove what you believe in? And I, and I don't know. If you guys, you know, I, I was like, I looked at him and I kind of shocked. I never really like talked to an atheist about this before, you know? And I really didn't know. And I don't know if you know, have you ever watched the movie Nacho Libre? It's a great movie. I love it. It's a Jack Black movie. Everybody says that I, I talk and act like Jack Black. Um, I love that movie. And my wife hates it. She thinks it's mad stupid. Um, in it, there's a character. is Nacho Libre sidekick. And they call him Skeleton because he's really skinny. And uh, there's, this, there's a scene in this movie where Nacho's, you know, he's, a, he's like a monk. And that wants to be a wrestler, and so he he tells his 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 sidekick, he's like telling him about God, you know, and and the, and the sidekick, his name is Skeleton, looks at him, he's like, I don't believe in God, I believe in science, and I remember this scene, it made me laugh so hard, you know, but this is this is a this is a scene that it was I was faced with. He is looking at me, saying, I can prove science, I can believe in science. Can you prove what you believe in? Are you able to tell me things about your belief system? Where you can give me some kind of proof of what you believe in, and this conversation that I had with Brian really got to me. You know, I start. I asked myself, "Can I prove what I believe?" When confronted with someone that has no belief in God, can I prove what I believe to? Can I prove what I believe to them? And my answer was no. You can gather all the greatest theologians in the world, 
the greatest Christians of all time, put him in a room and tell him to prove the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his deity and the fact that his death and resurrection saves our Ask them to prove it. They can't prove it. To me, what I believe in makes perfect sense. What do I believe in? Well, I believe that God created heaven and the earth and everything on it. I believe that He, he created man in His image and He gave us dominion over the earth. But man was tempted by Satan and the woman. And we sinned. And in doing so, we brought sin into this world for all mankind. Sin separates us from God. God is holy. No, he's holy. He's perfect. He's without sin. And we as sinners can't be with God. And we are destined for a life in hell. But God, who is love, who is also three in one, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, loved us so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ. And He was born as a child of a virgin birth in a manger, who grew up and became a man, but was without sin. I believe that He was perfectly without sin. How when, he, when his time came, he was baptized and started a ministry of miracles, signs, and wonders. He healed the sick, sick, casted out demons. He gave us the gospel of repentance and forgiveness and faith in him. This man, Jesus, was God incarnate or God in flesh. He was God and he became man. And in his humanity was rejected by man, was beaten to an inch of his life, and was put through the bloody and horrifying act of crucifixion was nailed to the cross and put to death. He was buried. And in three days, he rose again from the dead. Conquering death. And whoever believes in his death and resurrection and his lordship, if you put your faith in him, you will be forgiven of all your sins and will be given everlasting life. That's what I believe in. And it makes perfect sense to me. It does. I don't need proof. It makes sense to me. I just believe it. I'm that type. But if you ask me to prove it, if you ask me to prove it, I can't. I can't prove it to you. We can't because that's what faith is, right? It says in Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we say to the atheist, it's faith. You can't prove it. Just, you just need to believe. It's a leap of faith. And you, we say, just you, you, you believe. But he... he, he's, he, he he looks back at you and says, you know, you believe in faith, but I believe in science. Prove it. Prove it to me. Give me some evidence. Give me some facts. And at the end of the day, we are left speechless because we can't prove it. We can argue with them about Jesus, how he is the son of God, how he came to earth to die on the cross for our sins, how he was raised from the dead, how the tomb was empty. And he will respond to you with, well, the disciples probably lied and actually stole his body. And, he, and, and, you know, people and made people think that he was resurrected, but he really didn't resurrect from the dead. We can argue that if, it, if all this is a lie, why would the disciples preach the Gospels to the point of death? Why would they be martyrs? Why would these men die for a lie? If indeed it's all a lie... How can a lie continue for 2,000 years and turn this world upside down? And they would argue back at you. Well, you Christians believe that Islam is a lie. And they are willing to be martyred all the time. They die for their faith all the time. And in the Middle East, East 
Islam has been flipping that, that their world upside down for 2,000 years. How is that different? We can tell them it's written in the Bible, which is the Word of God. It says in, in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We can tell them that it's in the Bible and that this is the Word of God. But, but they will argue with you that it's written by man. That it's a good book, you know, but, and that there's a lot of good truths in it. But when, but when everything's well and done... It's still a book written that written by man, put together by man. How is it different from the Quran, which you say is a lie? In First Corinthians fifteen twelve to nineteen, this verse kind of this this passage really summarizes how I felt after talking to Brian. You know, and I want to read it to you. Now, if Christ is proclaimed, thank you. Now, is if Christ is proclaimed and raised from the dead. How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those, and then, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If, Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul was saying, if all this is not true, if Christ really didn't rise from the dead, if, in fact, all this is just a lie, a big hoax, we are the most pathetic people in the world. All this is in vain, and we are to be pitied. And we have no proof. And, and if we are wrong, all this is for nothing. And this is a consequence of faith. It's the consequence of faith. And we are, when we are faced with unbelief, in the face of a world that demands proof of what we preach, when the atheist is sitting next to you at the bar, Saying, I don't believe in God, but I believe in science. What can we say? We can't prove our faith because it's just that. It's faith. Assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. The very idea of faith, of faith has no proof. There will be that ultimate proof when Jesus comes back and everybody's like, Whoa! It was true! But then it's too late. And Until then, there's no proof. You believe without seeing. And in that belief, we find hope. But then God gave me a verse. And I was, I was, I was kind of reading the Word, and it gave me a verse, and it actually is a scripture for us today. Turn, if you can't, turn your Bibles to John 16, 5-11. If you don't have your Bibles, um, you can look right up here. Uh, I'll read. But now... I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they are not, they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because if I go to, because I go to the Father, and you will see them no longer, concerning judgment because a ruler of this world is judged. And Jesus is talking to his disciples about going back to the Father. At this point, his disciples they didn't know what it what it would entail, but Jesus is basically saying that. When he goes back, after he's betrayed and sentenced to death, beaten, nailed to that cross and crucified, after he pays for the sin of man and resurrects from the dead and he is taken up to heaven, he is saying, only if all these things happen, will he send the helper to us. And who is his helper? Hamburger helper. In chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says the helper is the Holy Spirit. Church, on this Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. And it is a celebration. Amen? He has conquered death. And the power of His resurrection brings forgiveness for all, all of our sins, for those who put their faith, our faith in Him. And we receive everlasting life. But you know what else is given to us? The resurrection gives us the Holy Spirit. Can I get an Amen. The resurrection fulfills the promise that Jesus made in John 16 that when He returns to the Father, when He dies, He will give us, He will send to us the Helper, which is the Holy Spirit. But not just the Holy Spirit, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said, Aha! Eureka! In the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't necessarily find proof. Like I said, you know, there's no proof until the day that he comes back. But the atheists can't prove prove everything either. You know, they have facts. They have facts and theories that kind of support what they believe in. And it's almost to the fact that they feel that it's proof. But in the end, it's still the Big Bang Theory. and still the theory of evolution. It's they're just still theory. And they have evidence to say, yes, we, we too. You know, this is what we believe. And this is kind of our faith, but it's based on fact. But ladies and well, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that we too have evidence. We too have data. We have evidence that points to the reality of our faith, and it's the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys might be saying, you can't see the Holy Spirit. How can it be evidence? Evidence has to be something that's tangible. You know, something that you can see. Something that has substance. Something that is real. That is true. But you cannot see wind. But when you live in here in Busan, we know it's real. You know, last week, there was some crazy winds here in Busan. And I felt like my house was going to blow away. And uh, I was actually getting my hair cut the other day. And I, I go to a hair salon now. When I was single, I used to go to Blue, Blue Club, which is like $6 for a haircut. And after I got married, my wife's like, oh, you should go somewhere better. So now I pay $15, and I go to a hair salon. And uh, this guy was cutting my hair, and he was talking about the winds that were here last week and how four people in Japan were killed, and like a bunch of them were injured. And, and when you look at those kinds of wind, you can't see it. You can't see wind, but you can definitely feel it, and those people in Japan felt it. You know what I mean? And you know, uh, Pastor Christian, uh, back in Hillside, like, likes to use this example a lot. But you know, when you you can't see electricity, you know, there's, it has really no substance. But when you put your finger in a socket, you're gonna feel electricity, and you're gonna know that it is real. You know, your hair is gonna be like, bzzz, 
You'll be on the ground like, ah. And in the same way, we can't see the Holy Spirit, but we can see the effects that He has on God's people. And that effect points to evidence of our faith, which points to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ promised us the Holy Spirit after His death and resurrection. We receive the Holy Spirit, and we can see tangible effects of a life led by the Holy Spirit. The world asks for proof, and we can't give it to them. Not until that day Jesus comes back, but we can give them evidence that this is real. That the manifest power of the Holy Spirit, which Christ promised us, is real. And when the world asks us, what is this evidence? What is this Holy Spirit? And what kind of evidence can you show us? And I'm kind of sad to say that the church today, we don't have much to show the world. One of the things that evangelical churches do regarding the Holy Spirit is they put the Holy Spirit in a box. They take verses like 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22. I'm going to read it to you. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has atoned us and who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. They take verses like this and they limit the Holy Spirit to just that. And yes, it is true. When we, are, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and He becomes Lord over our lives, the Holy Spirit is deposited into our hearts as a seal, a guarantee of our salvation and eternal life. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes into us and we become born again. This is all true. This is the proper theology. And this is called the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. But in so many evangelical churches today, this is all that the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit has been reduced to just a symbolic representation of God's presence in our lives and a stamp of our salvation. So many churches only offer a Holy Spirit that comes into our hearts and becomes our ticket into heaven. I have the Holy Spirit. It's my ticket to heaven. If you have the Holy Spirit, you get to go into heaven. And yes, this is true. But that's not the only reason why Christ sent us the Holy Spirit. And when you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit does so much more than act as a stamp upon your heart. It's so much more than just a ticket into heaven. When Jesus was on earth, what did he do? What was the one thing that marked his ministry? What was it? He healed the sick, drove out evil spirits. He performed miracles, signs, and wonders. He did all this. He, he, li he lived a life of, of the supernatural, and he did all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit. It says in Luke 4, 14, that after Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And in Matthew 12, 28, he tells the Pharisees that, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Brothers and sisters, Jesus was man. Amen? He is God, and He became incarnate. Incarnate, the, the word carne is like, in Mexican cooking, like, 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 like pollo con carne, it means meat. Okay? And that's the root, that's the root word of incarnation. It's because, you know, if God incarnate means God becoming meat. It basically means God becoming flesh. And when He became flesh, He was perfectly man. You know, He didn't have any, like, like any of His deity upon Him to, like, you know, like, break rocks with His hands and, like, fly. You know, He was a perfect man. You know? But He was in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he did miracles upon miracles and signs and wonders. And the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus Christ is the same Spirit that he sent to us when he went up to heaven. It's not like he gave us a lesser version of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's like a bunch of Holy Spirits up in heaven and said, this is my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you this inferior Holy Spirit so you guys can use it. But there's only one Holy Spirit. There is no bootleg copy of the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus Christ, is, it, it, it lives inside of you. And it empowers you so that we can do the same thing that Jesus did. In John fourteen twelve. Jesus himself tells us that we will do greater things than him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the do works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And what happens after he goes to the Father? We get the Holy Spirit. And so many churches these days preach the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, but they fail to preach the, the empowering ministry of, of the Holy Spirit in, in, in what, he, what Christ did upon this earth. When we accept Christ into our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our hearts. I mentioned that earlier. But there is also the empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit, which comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's also referred to as being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see examples of this in the day of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, 1 through 14. I'm going to read it to you. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each and every one of, each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Peter was in that room. Apostle Peter was in that room and with other people. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he's, he's baptized by the Holy Spirit. This uneducated, you know, like, like he's not well-spoken or eloquent man. He's a fisherman. One of the most basic careers that you can have back in, the, 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 in Jesus' time. It's like, it's like being it's like being a janitor, basically. You know, it's like the, the, it's not any kind of respectable job that he had. He's not educated. He he's he's not well spoken. He's not eloquent. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, this uneducated man goes out, preaches a sermon with power and authority, right after he's baptized by the Spirit, and he brings three thousand people to Christ. That is power. That is the Holy Spirit, and we see it in in Saul of Tarsus. Remember Saul. Who, who became Paul. He's a Pharisee who hated Christians and put them in prison. And he was on his way to Damascus, you know, and he was going to put some more Christians in prison. And all of a sudden he encounters Jesus Christ on the road and has this radical encounter with Christ. And he goes blind. And later God sends a disciple named Ananias to him to pray for him. And he tells Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately scales fell off of Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and was baptized. And right after that encounter, you know what he does? He gets, he gets on fire for God. He turns this world upside down for Jesus Christ. He becomes one of the most influential Christians of all times. And it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus and the you know, you see such radical transformations when the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power. 
It's not just a seal that's upon your heart. It's not just a ticket into heaven. Changed their lives forever. And I want to tell you about someone else's testimony of empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's about a man. He's pretty good looking. He's uh, born here in Busan. This is me. I was actually born in here in Busan, 1975. I'm an old man. Uh, probably one of the oldest men in here. Um, and I immigrated to the States at the age of seven. And uh, you know, I lived in L.A. almost all my life. And I, be- you know, I say that I became a Christian 12 times because I went to 12 church retreats throughout my lifetime growing up. And every church retreat, I got up and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. You know, I was always scared that maybe it didn't stick last time. You know? like, I had no understanding of, of what grace was. You know, grace was that girl I had a crush on. I didn't know what it was. And, and, and one of those years, I think, it was, I think it was my junior year in high school, I went to this retreat, and the power of God came upon me. The power. And I got to give the tongues. I remember I was crying. I remember crying. I, I don't remember much, but I just remember crying and just snot, just pouring out my nose. Like, shh, I couldn't stop. I was under the power of God. I was under the power of the Holy Spirit. I got baptized by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, my life changed. I was like, man, I'm on fire for God. And at that time, you know, I, I was... I was a little punk, you know, going around drinking, smoking, you know, thinking I was all bad, smoking weed once in a while. But then I got radically saved, and I got radically transformed. And then I said, you know what? I want to become a missionary. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. And so I, I went to a Christian university. I went to Biola University in Los Angeles. And I, you know, I was like, yeah, I was around all these Christians. I wanted, I wanted to impact this world. And then, and then I got faced with the spirit of religion, and everything just got really boring. And all that fire that I had in my life, all that fire, the initial fire, you know, when it was it, when I was when when I saw it through the eyes of the religious spirit that was all around me, I just said, "Man, I'm getting tired of this." And so I rebelled. You know, halfway through my years at Biola, I just I started smoking weed, started partying. I had this divided lifestyle. You know, like the people at my school knew me as as Chen. My I used to be called Chen Lee. You know, that's my Korean name. And then, and then there's this Christian guy that led worship and, and led Bible studies. And then I was this guy that used to go to the KSA parties at UCLA and get drunk and have fun. And whoa, that's like crazy. And like, you know, and, and I was just living it up. And then that life, that, that rebellious life just took over my life. And in my last year at university, I did some crazy stuff. You know, I just got into a lot of drugs. And I started smoking weed a lot. And you might think, oh, you know, just weed. But... I smoked a lot of weed, you know, and then I just I just started doing stupid things like trying to grow weed and 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 I just became a, the most the retarded man on the face of the earth. I just if you knew me when I was in college, you guys would think like, man, what a loser. You know, and then I left school. I didn't even finish. And I just started working for this bank and I just got just hooked on crystal meth. I don't know if you guys know what crystal meth is, but it's the most addictive substance in the face of the planet. It's taken over America, man. So many people are hooked on that stuff. And I got, I got so hooked on it that my life literally spiraled out of control. But throughout all this time, I knew who Jesus was. I knew he was my savior. I knew that God existed. I knew that the Holy Spirit was in me, but I just didn't care anymore. You know, I like just wanted everything... That, that that part of my life, I kind of wanted to just like put in the past. And I just wanted to go on with my life. And I just rebelled like crazy. You know, I got hooked. I, I, you know, I, 
I remember I got fired from my bank. I, I, I was doing pretty good. I was getting paid around forty, a little bit under forty thousand dollars a year. I was working at the corporate center. I go to the bathroom and and sniff lines of like meth, and I, I thought it was all cool. And then one day I got fired. They're like, "You're fired," and I was like, "Really? How am I gonna buy my how am I gonna, how am I gonna buy my drugs?" And my life literally went out of control. I just had to move back in with my parents. I started stealing money from my parents. And I just did everything I can to just get high. And my life for the next six years was just ups and downs, ups and downs, more down than up. And I find myself, uh, what I was doing was I was a bike messenger in downtown L.A., hanging around with all these Mexicans, Hispanic people. I thought I was all cool, got all these tattoos, you know, hanging around with gangsters. And then I got arrested, and I, got, I went through a trials of really stupid mistakes with the law, and then I actually ended up in prison for four years. And I stole, we stole a car, got caught, went on this high-speed chase, we came out on TV, and I got arrested, and I had to go to jail. You know? And I, even in jail, I, I, you know, I knew Jesus. I would go to church once in a while, but you know, I, like, I really didn't want that lifestyle. I didn't, really, I didn't want nothing to do with it anymore. I believe Jesus was my savior still, but I didn't care anymore. I had this indifference in my heart. My heart had gotten hard. And then and then I found out that they were going to deport me because I'm not an American citizen. And I was like, Lord, help me. I don't want to live in Korea. I really don't. You got to do, you got to go to bathhouses to bathe and stuff. And I was like, I was getting really scared, you know, and then. And then they deported me. I spent like a year trying to find my case. Deported me. I landed here in Korea, in Incheon Airport, with a box of stuff that I, brought. I, I got home, like my letters and stuff. And then the, the marshals that escorted me said, all right, Mr. Lee, you're a free man. You're free to go. I was like, all right. And then for my first year in, in Seoul, I, w- I was going to this church. When I landed, my cousin was going to, back in the days, our church was called JSEM, was Jerry Sungdo English Ministries. My cousin was going here and, you know, really pressed me to go to church. So I was still going to church every week. But I was living a life of just, I was so depressed. I was so depressed that I couldn't go back to America. I was so depressed that all this stuff happened to me. I was the victim. You know, my life was ruined. I'm never going to get married. You know, I'm probably going to be a bum all my life. I have no future. And all I did was drink. I just drank every night. I would drink like three bottles of soju and a big bottle of beer and just eat fried chicken and got fat for a year. Fried chicken every night. I ain't even kidding. Fried chicken and pizza every night. Alcohol. Like, yeah, I'm drunk. My life sucks. That's how I lived for a year of my life here in Korea while still going to this church. But then people started praying for me. And people started kind of, I started kind of opening up my life to certain people, telling my testimonies some people start to know about my life and, and people start praying for me and I have a mother that's a, a, a powerful Christian you know throughout all of this my mom was praying for me she used to pray that you know there were times where she wouldn't see me for six months when I was on dope and she would pray that I would go to jail so that she would get a phone call from me and that's how scared she was of, of my life and that's actually what happened like I called her mom I'm in jail she's like oh I found you and then she actually praised God that I got deported because there's no drugs here in Korea. You know, and then she was praying for me. And then the, the, the members of our church, they started praying for me. And then one day I said, Lord, I want more in my life. I, said, I want more. I feel that, that you have more for me. 
and I, I don't think my life is lost yet. You know, I, I still know who you are, and I kind of want to come back to you, God. And I remember I said that, and he said, you can't. You can totally come back to me, but you have so many walls up right now. You have walls upon walls upon walls of hurt and pain and just rejection and fear. You have all these walls up, and you got to bring it down. And at that time, nobody at church knew my story. They thought I was an English teacher. Come to Korea to, to teach English. Yeah. And nobody knew. Only like three people knew about my story. And then God said, I want you to tell your testimony in front of the whole church. And I was like, what? You must be out your mind, God. And then Holy Spirit started convicting me. And the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of me starts saying, you can do this. This is, this is the key to your freedom. This is the key to you receiving what, what, everything that I have for you. This is the key. You got to speak it out. You got to tell the church. And I said, no, I don't want to, God. They're going to reject me. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to be scared of me. You know, I used to be dark. And when, it came, I, when I was in prison, I used to play basketball every day. Man, dark. I have all these ta- and I have tattoos on my arms. So like, I have tattoos. And like people, I, I, they're going to be scared of me. Nobody's going to want to be my friend. They're going to reject me, God. But he said, you know what? You have to tell your testimony. So I remember I went up to Pastor Christian. And I said, you know what? I want to tell my testimony. He didn't, he didn't even know. He didn't know. The last pastor knew. We had a pastor named Pastor Sam. He got married, moved to Chicago, and then Pastor Christian took over. He knew, but Pastor Christian didn't know. And he's like, whoa, what'd you do? And I was like, uh, can I write you a, my testimony? And he's like, yeah. And then I just wrote out my testimony, emailed it to him. He was like, yeah, yeah, you can tell your testimony. <laughs> so I went up on one Sunday, and I just told my testimony. And then literally everything that was on me, the fain- the, the the shame, the pain, the fear of rejection all just fell away. And I was, I, was, I was free. And what remained was the Holy Spirit. All that rejection, all that pain, all that fear, all that shame that was on top of me, the guilt of, 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 of fighting with my dad, hurting my dad. I beat up my dad one time, made him bleed. All of this fell away. And what was left was the Holy Spirit because he was deposited inside my heart. And I remember one time I had, I had a talk with uh, John's wife, Anita, Mina, and my friend David Pill. We were in a car together. They were dropping me off. And then they said, oh, Caleb, you know, do you speak in tongues? And I was like, oh, yeah, I used to speak in tongues when I was, like, in high school. But I don't do that no more. He's like, oh, he's like why not? He's like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't think I feel it. And then David Pill, who's, who, he, was, he was in my wedding. He's one of my best friends. He's, he looked at me. He's not that wise, but he said something very wise this time. It was like, you know, the Holy Spirit is a person. And if you ignore the Holy Spirit, He's not going to always be there to talk with you. But He's He's still there. And you just have to start talking to Him. And you gotta, you got you to gotta treat the Holy Spirit like a person. And I remember that day, I started doing this. This is around the time when I was kind of coming back to the Lord. And I started talking to the Holy Spirit. Like, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for all the stuff that I de- did. I, you know, like, I, I know I grieved you many times. And then, and then I remember one day, it was after my testimony, and I was still struggling. You know, I was still drinking, smoking. You know, that was still there once in a while. But then all that guilt and shame was off of me. And then I remember one day I asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come fill me up. Come fill me up. And I was at a prayer meeting, and I was on the ground praying. And then all of a sudden, Holy Spirit came back with power. And I was like, He was on me. And he empowered me. And, and, and when I got empowered by the Holy Spirit, nothing was impossible anymore. 
Nothing was impossible. I have no college degree. Nothing was impossible. I went to prison. Nothing was impossible. I'm a pastor now. How does that happen? How the hell does that happen in five years? Nothing was impossible. When the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me again, nothing was impossible. And I remember, I remember, I was I, like, when my life started to change, and I knew that God had a call for me in my life. And I thought I was supposed to be a chef. You know, like, I'm, I'm really good at cooking. Everybody knows here I'm a, I'm a bomb cook. If you go on my Facebook page, I have, like, a cooking show on my Facebook. I put one up the other day about making, like, stir-fried noodles. But and I'm a really good cook, and I really thought that I was supposed to be a chef. And I actually kind of pursued it. I saved up all this money, like $20,000. I was working at the preschool. I was getting paid good money. And then I wanted to be a chef. And then and then one day, these these people came, uh, uh, friends of ours, actually. His name is Rodney Henderson from Kansas City and Stephen Beauchamp. You know, they're ministers of God. And they came, and they started praying for people. And then they came up to me, and they prayed for me. And I got blasted. You know, I, I usually don't manifest. You know, sometimes I cry. But my feet left the ground. And I was on the ground. I was like, ah, because I could feel the Holy Spirit inside of me searing away all of these things. All of these doubts that I had. All of these fears that I had. He starts burning it all away. And then when I got up, I was like, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to be a pastor. That's what, it was so clear. And then this was around the time when I was dating Mina. And then we got married all of a sudden, out of nowhere. Now I'm here in Busan. I'm a pastor. No, the, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is here to not just give you a ticket into heaven, but He's here to empower you so that you can be like Peter, like Paul, so you could be like Pastor Caleb. You might think that sounds con- conceited, but I'm not. If you knew the radical transformation that I went through, It's not because of me, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying it can be for you too. Romans 8 says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And as sons, each and every one of you are called to transform this world for the kingdom of God. And I'm here today to let you know that when Christ was put to death on that cross, and was buried and rose again three days later in that resurrection, which we celebrate today, was fulfilled the promise of a helper for us, the Holy Spirit, to guarantee our salvation, to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, to lead us in wisdom and revelation, and to empower us with the manifest power of the Holy Spirit, to go out in the anointing of the Spirit, to bind up the brokenhearted, and proclaim freedom for their captives. That is our calling as, as sons of God. And I want to I want to take you back to that bar when I was sitting next to Brian. And and when and when we have when we're in the face of unbelief, there is the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, we need to rise up in our identity, and in the destiny that God has called us to. And we can't do it without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I want everyone to close their eyes right now. My phone. Oh, everybody close their eyes. <laughs> like what the? Okay, have some music. Uh, 
I just have a, I have a feeling that there are some of you guys in here that heard my message today, that heard God's message today, and they said, and you guys are saying, I want the Holy Spirit. You guys are saying, I want the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys might be in here and you guys might not be assured of your salvation. You guys might not know if the Holy Spirit is inside of you. You guys might not be sure if you have that ticket to heaven. And I'm here to ask, tell you guys that today you can receive that ticket. So if you're in here and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you want to receive the Holy Spirit into your heart as a deposit, a guarantee of your everlasting life, I want you guys to stand up. Thank you.